0: Thanks to Aslo for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Aslo is a free business checking account with invoicing, bill pay, money transfers, no minimum balance, and no fees. Sign up with no minimum deposit at aslo.com slash dreamjob and get a free copy of Aslo's small business starter guide. Hey guys, it's Kathy Keller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So, I'm really happy about today's conversation because Trisha Huffman is here, and Trisha is actually very good friends with Jason Mraz. and um, you're gonna hear her story of how she got to be doing what she's doing now, which is so fantastic. But she actually started out as a sound engineer, and she was touring with Jason Mraz and Dolly Parton and Colby Calais. And the story is so special. And in celebration of what seems to be Jason Mraz week here on Don't Keep Your Day Job, Apple was so sweet and featured the episode. I don't know if you guys saw that, but, um, we're so grateful to Apple for all their support. And Jason is so awesome. And Trisha is an amazing person. And it's just so cool that she and Jason are so linked. And I can't wait for you to hear her story because I think that you will find it super inspiring. She's a coach, she's a mentor, she's a speaker, writer, a podcaster. She's also known as Your Joyologist. That's her Instagram handle. And I just love her journey because she created so many possibilities for herself. I've never heard anyone do anything like what she's done. Her real gift is helping bring people in alignment with who they want to be in the world. Her podcast is called Claim It with your joyologist, where she has conversations with awesome people like Jason, with my friend Robin Euclid, and I was also a guest on her show. Her podcast is all about exploring the fears and doubts and worries and how to move through it all and get out of our own way and claim our life, our joy, our worth, and our dreams. Trisha is also the creator of the Own Your Awesome app. She's created her own affirmation cards that you should definitely check out. And I think you'll just be blown away by her generosity and what she's built so without further ado, please welcome the wonderful Trisha Huffman. Trisha, thank you so much for making the time to be on the show. I've wanted
1: to do this for years. I'm so happy to be here and to now know that you wanted to be my friend for years because I did not know that.
0: <laughs> very hard to not want to be your friend. And those of you, I literally feel like it's Christmas and I just gave you a gift. So if you don't follow her. You're going to go follow her at your geologist and you're going to see immediately why everybody loves her instantly. I want to talk about your journey. So can you kind of take us through like the creation of you stepping into this part of who you are?
1: Yeah, I have to go back to being 15. I had a lot of undiagnosed pain and problems and stomach problems and blah, blah, blah. And also I was 15 and I was like, what am I supposed to do? Say, look like, be, you know, I felt like I, I remember feeling so much pressure to like get it right or to figure out like to stand out, but still like blend in and like just wanting people to like me, like me (laughs) and everything just felt so hard. And also my parents didn't get along and my sister was like, you know, four years older and doing her own thing. So I just felt really lost and alone. And then the pain and then undiagnosed pain of doctors telling me like it was all in my mind and all of that didn't help. <laughs> so I thought about um, ending my life a lot, honestly. And then one day I really had a moment where like a breaking point where I just now looking back, it was like, you know, this choice of like, you think about this all the time. If you really like hate your life so much, then are you going to do it? Or what if I chose to try to live life a different way? And I don't think I had those words for myself back then, but it was sort of like, okay, so just end it, stop thinking about it or give yourself a a chance. So I went with that. (laughs) I gave myself a chance and I chose to live. And I can now see that I'm getting goosebumps now that like, that's something that I've been doing ever since is that I choose to live and to not just be alive and going through the motions of life that like, I'm choosing to live my life for myself. And that back then, that was a lot of starting to come out with like, I'm going to make my opinion of myself be the one that matters the most. I'm going to stop trying to fit in so much or make everybody like me and, and just speak up and say what feels right to me and talk to Beth, even though everybody says she's a nerd. So before I was concerned about if I talk to her, then does that mean I'm a nerd? Like that kind of like stupid stuff that weighs on us. Like I basically had so much physical pain. I had had it with the emotional pain that I had been causing myself. So that was the start of like me self-love journey back then. And it's taken a lot. It's still like an everyday, right? Like work. <laughs> yeah. But I had those awakenings back then. And then believing in myself more than anybody else. I sort of just, again, like that was like me seeing, like I'm, it, w- oh, the only thing that matters is for me to believe in myself. It does not matter if anybody else, my parents, my friends, my mentors, my teachers, if they understand me, if they believe in me, it doesn't matter. What matters is that I believe in myself. Sure. And I really loved music, but I was not trying to play music or sing music. Um, well, I think, I mean, I was in my bedroom, you know? Yeah. <laughs> But I, um, I really loved live music, and I wanted to be, without knowing what it was, a live sound engineer. I went to concerts, and I would see the person behind a console, and I would constantly be like, all my friends would be like dancing and partying, and I would just be like so turned into the music, be like, the guitar is too loud, the singers need to be louder. And back then, I didn't know, again, what that was called. I just like knew that that's what I wanted to do, but I didn't know what it was called. So I found my way, I ended up um, graduating high school and moving to Chicago, and starting work at House of Blue Chicago in the company store selling t-shirts because I wanted to get close to the live music and became friends with the sound engineers and the production people and I said I think that's what what you guys are doing is what I want to do and um, I worked for free (laughs) for months quit a job an office job because I was missing load in and wanted to see what it was and I put my full self into it I saw that that's what I wanted to do. I believed in myself. It's not a field for girls, you know, being a technician, especially a sound engineer. I was 19, so I was a young girl. So again, a lot of people were like, rolled their eyes at me. Sure, girl, come check out what we're doing. But I was there working for free more than the people getting paid because that's what I wanted to do. I wasn't afraid of looking stupid. It was what I wanted to do, but I had no idea what it was. So they'd be like, Trisha, go get me a boom stand. And I'd be like, I don't know what a boom stand is. Trisha, Mike the snare drum. What's a snare drum? (laughs) So it was like a really like, again, like I believe so much in myself that I had to be okay with looking like an idiot and asking for help, constantly showing up and being like, okay with like, just again, like this is what I want, this is what I want. I'm choosing to live, this is my life. I'm not gonna let all these people tell me that I'm never gonna make it and girls can't do sound and do many girls go out on tour as a sound engineer. Like, maybe there were, like, four at the time. And at the time, I also came across a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt: No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. So that became, like, my lifeline. No one can make me feel inferior without my consent. Because every day, people, bands came through. And they, even though, like, I've had a family there, then they wanted to judge me. You're not going to be good enough. You're not going to be good enough. No one can make me feel inferior without my consent. So eventually, that turned into I was touring with Grammy award-winning artists around the world. I toured with Dolly Parton as her sound engineer. It was a big deal. (laughs) And very few women have have done it to the level that I had. And that's a lot of daily (laughs) self-work because I was scared out of my mind like every day. Um, But what that also then got me to see is I was living out my biggest dream. I had become a live sound engineer, touring the world, staying in Ritz-Carlton's, you know, being paid to fly the world and travel with these people and hang out with these amazing icons. I was living the freaking dream, my freaking dream. And then these people that were singing their songs, that thousands of people around the world showed up for them, you know, they even had amazing like relationships. They had it all. They literally, what we think of as having it all, they had it all. And yet... I could see them not feeling fulfilled enough, worthy, having doubts, having fears. They were humans. (laughs) Like they were dealing with the same, you know, stuff that I was. Um, And so that was like an awakening of like, here I am. And I was also taking very good care of myself because I was eventually diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which, you know, like that can just be a term they give to people they don't know. I don't even know. But so I had started to also really take really good care of myself. I would tour with a juicer. I started doing, I would do yoga as soon as I got off the bus. And so, and I also saw like being on tour is not conducive to like being healthy, being inspired, right. being grounded. Like you're in a different place. They're working nonstop. So I was seeing that. And then when my father was found dead in his car one day, and um, that was the moment that like stopped everything where... I didn't know what to do. So I was supposed to be getting on a plane to Australia that day. Instead, I went home for the funeral and then went straight to Australia to tour. And I was a mess for a couple weeks. And then I finally just like, I kept looking around and seeing people everywhere I went that looked unhappy and unfulfilled and just like look like they were walking through the emotions of life, but not oh my God. alive. And that was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, but I know I have to stop doing sound and I have to do something more. Like, I want to shake, grab everybody that I'm passing on the street and shake them and be like, what are you doing? You could die tomorrow. Live your life. Like, what are you worrying about? Like, just live your life. Like, I just wanted to shake people. And so that was (laughs) the start of the creation of what I am doing today. (laughs) but I didn't know, I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew I had to quit and I didn't have any money in the bank. I was supposed to be on tour that entire year. And I had been, that was my life. Like I had already been like in that world for I don't even know how long. Um, So I just stopped and I like went and um, took the year off. And like, I eliminated the word should from my life. That was, I didn't know what I was going to do, but that, and that got me to then ask myself every day, what do I want? Of what should I do today? What do I want to do today? Like I knew I wanted to make this different difference in the world, but I didn't know how. And so that was a big shift for me. And then I ended up just taking it back on the world that I knew. So I ended up going back on tour as a joyologist (laughs) and being the person that grounded the artist, empowered them, lifted them up, but also be like if they were in a bad mood, then I opened the dressing room door. Hi, what's going on? What are you feeling? What are you gonna do about it? Because also, I think people in any sort of position of power, whether they're an artist, a boss, we're afraid to ask them what's going on and what they're going to do. It's just like everybody would rather walk around on tiptoes and have the uncomfortable conversation. But that doesn't help anybody. So I did that. <laughs> I had a lot of uncomfortable conversations, would lift them up, would grab them down. I also then became renamed. Jason Mraz also gave me the title of his manager of integrity So that I could be the person that was also then like, because that it is like, there's a lot of when you're in that, like, there's so many opinions being projected at you. So then being like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? How does that feel to you? Do you feel like that actually serves you and your mission? Or is that what your label is telling you to do? Is that what your management wants you to do? You're exhausted all the time from touring. Have you ever thought of saying, I don't want to tour like that? You could still tour, but maybe you could create a different schedule for yourself. So that sort of thing, like being like an advocate for these people and like giving them the space to think about things differently and coming back to what are you doing and why? How does that feel for you?
0: It's such an incredible story. And it's only, <laughs> it's only the first you know <laughs> part of it. A lot of times people, A, don't give themselves permission to even say, what do I want? B, we don't give ourselves permission to think that we have the right to pursue it. And then the bigger thing is we don't commit to doing what it's gonna take because we want an immediate ROI. If it, We're not gonna do anything le- unless we know we won't look stupid. We're not gonna <laughs> ask what the snare drum is. And we're not gonna spend 18 months interning or two years on the road until we know for certain, like, it's gonna, and you did all of those things, you weathered all of that. And then it's it, it just sort of brought you into this place of like, of course, like it rose to the top. She's the one who's here. She's the one who cares and you got good at it and people like you. And then you notice this really powerful thing, which is like, oh my gosh, these people who have everything and like they're having a human experience. So what's going on? Like they're not fulfilled, like they're not feeling. And, that, and then the, the fact that you notice that is huge. And then
1: what did happen to your dad? So there was this freezing snowstorm that night. So what they think happened was that he slipped and hit his head got a head, because um, he was found dead in his car with a head fusion or whatever. Like- it's so much. And then
0: you somehow were able to breathe in and out during that. And then not only were you breathing in and out, but you started to use that as fuel to crack open and shed everything that wasn't working and up level once again. And then you just, you talk a little bit about how you had this insight of what you wanted to do. And then you went back down the road as, as their joyologist. It's like, well, no, that doesn't, yeah, no yeah. that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. How the heck did you do that? What yeah. does that mean? That you didn't question yourself, that you could be like, oh, oh yeah, then. this is a thing. And this is what it's going to look like. And this is what I'm going to do with these people. And I have the confidence in myself to just say, this is what I'm doing.
1: Yeah. So I didn't know. Like I said, I just knew I can't keep doing sound. I felt like I had to do more with my life. I had no idea what I was gonna do. So I like, yeah, I quit my dream job. It was also with my dream tour, and then uh, I ended up doing a yoga teacher training because I was like, when else will I ever be like. I had already done yoga for, I don't know how many years. And like, I don't know if I want to be a yoga teacher, but like, okay, when else will I, I have this experience to have this time? I got really into like cooking, healing food. And I just was doing all the things that spoke to me <laughs> and like, you know, read all the personal development books and whatever, like really, it was like a, a self-study year. But I, again, I kept knowing I wanted to do more and I didn't know what it looked like. And then it did start to visualize as I, you know, again, because that was the world I knew. I knew live production touring world and I loved it. I loved that world so much and I still do. So to me, that was like where my mind went. And again, cause I had seen them being unfulfilled. So I started to visualize, yeah, touring like sucks. It's amazing, but it's rough. And the dressing rooms are gross and the food is usually terrible. And so I started to like see these ways that I could make that experience better and that I could nurture and empower the artists to then make even their voices shine louder and it wasn't about me it was like all right these people are already out there making differences so how can I support them even more and then maybe that will support the people in taking their music like Jason But I didn't know how I was going to do this so I had already visualized that in my mind and then what had happened was Jason Mraz's production manager who was someone I had worked with for many years was like hey Trisha we know that you are done with sound you don't want to do sound anymore but we really miss you on the road and this year is going to be a really big year we are going to add a production assistant to the tour would you consider coming back out as a production assistant so he, that was like him making a stretch because for me being a badass sound engineer, <laughs> production assistants work hard and I value them very much, but that was sort of like taking a step backwards, pay level as well, you know, and I was like, aha, this is my in. And I said to him, cause I had already had the visualization on the phone call like before that. So I was like, yes. I am going to come back out as a production assistant, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the job of the production assistant, but I am also going to make the dressing room nicer. I'm going to be putting affirmations up everywhere. I'm going to lead daily yoga classes. I'm going to be offering like, I'm going to bring my like juicer and Vitamix out and I'm going to be like trying to make healthier options. I was like, I'm going to come out as a production assistant, but I'm with the intention that I'm creating a new role for myself. And that's what happened. So I went out on tour.
0: God, that's so awesome. Did the production
1: assistant job, put up the signs, you know, did all that stuff. And then also started doing these things. Within two weeks, Jason said, I don't know what Trisha is doing, but I just want her to do that. Because I also like was putting affirmations up in the dressing room on the stage. Again, I created this position I had for myself and just started doing it without being paid for it. So I was, let me open the door. Let me talk to you. Let's everybody, let me talk to everybody on, if I saw somebody upset or not feeling good that day, I created the role I wanted and started doing it without it being a thing. And the results showed up. So within two weeks, they hired a new production assistant. That production manager said, okay, so Trisha's the joyologist. That was where the title came from. It stuck. <laughs> then they built me a roadcase kitchen. I had my own dressing room in every venue from then on out. I had my own rider. I then really did create this role. And then you know, when that tour ended and after I rested and recovered <laughs> for a time, then had this sent out to all my contacts. This is the position on tour. This is why you need me. And Colby Clay hired me next. So I went out, I made up a thing. I just showed up and did it. It worked. And then I was like, people, this is what I will do for you. You need me. And was that scary and hard? And yes, everything. (laughs) This is
0: one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard. I am completely blown away by your generosity and your confidence and your intention. And what's interesting for me personally is that Colby was on our show and most of the conversation was about how much anxiety she had on tour. And little did I know she was talking about you, but she basically, we had this whole conversation about how if it wasn't for the people who she wound up bringing with her on tour, she never would have made it through. Like that's amazing what you've done. So what happened? So you did how many tours until you decided to build your own like platform?
1: Yeah, so when that became the role of the geologist, it also, what happened is that was back in the times of Twitter and Jason's management really wanted him to be on Twitter and not for them to be running it. So he delegated Twitter to me. And so his Twitter account used to say, Jason Mraz's official Twitter account, run by his joyologist Trisha, who's by his side at all times, except in bed or something like that. <laughs> and I was not going to tweet as him or take it over. So what I did then was start to tweet the quote of the day. I was putting out the affirmation of the day and we'll get glimpses of backstage and also like, here's the green smoothie, Jason's drinking, all of that stuff. So then, but I was like, oh, Twitter. And then when the tour was over... I was like I kind of like Twitter so I started my own Twitter account and then I and, and continued and so that sort of like started and then I started writing a blog and then you know went back on tour so a lot of my life had been you go out on tour and it could be for like nine months at a time and then I like because I always wanted to make sure I was taking care of myself and enjoying my life, then I would like not, you know, like then I'd like go travel on my own or decompress for a couple months. And in those bursts and it came to like, oh, I built a website. Oh, I have all these information and whatever. I'll lead a webinar. Like I never knew what I was doing. People do webinars. Okay. Let me figure that out. So I would like just do things. Hey, I guess I could coach people like while I'm not on tour for a couple months. And then like would coach someone and then be like, oh, going back on tour. <laughs> so I would keep going back and forth for years. So I'd have website, do blogs, you know, created this, whatever. I think 2012 was the last year that I toured. So, you know, it started with me accepting a job that I didn't want with the intention of creating something else and taking away lower pay and everything like that. The end, the last job I had, I had a contract that included benefits, a year salary, like I negotiated for myself, which is again was scary because they could have just said, never mind, we don't want to bring this person on tour because I also had seen people be like, "Oh yeah, I need you. Never mind, I don't." and stuff like that. Like I'd gone through that of like because of what the budget of the tour looks like or how they're feeling in themselves. So I was just like, if you want me to go back on tour and then stop this part of my life, then like I'm going to need a year-long salary and I'm going to need benefits and I'm going to need this. So like it turned into me negotiating my worth, which was scary as hell. Um, (laughs) And so then by the end of that, I was like toast because I had been on tour for like a year and a half or two years straight. But that was, I I felt like at that time, I didn't want to tour anymore because I was in a relationship where I saw it, I had always wanted to be a mom. And I was like, I'm pretty sure this is the, the one. So it was choosing to leave tour to create something for myself that I could do without touring. Cause most of my income had always been on tour. Like I said, I would somewhat done coaching in this and that, but it was like very erratic. So I was like, I got to I eventually I'm going to have to like stop and build something else for myself that's sustainable while I can be a mom. And I hated it cause I love touring. So that first six months of like seeing everybody start to go on tour again and stuff. And then I'm like, oh, did I make the wrong choice? Cause I loved it so much. Um, it's amazing how adapted the right choice. (laughs) Yeah. So then that led to like starting the the first thing after that was like, yeah, creating my affirmation deck of own your awesome. And that was like the first sort of thing. And then, yeah, going to product line, creating group coaching programs and one-on-one programs. And yeah, now I have the digital daily inspiration app and writing a book now. It's yeah. I had to give myself space to look at the bigger picture of like, and the bigger impact. And like, if I want to be a mom, I can't keep touring and do this. And I also wanted to be able to reach more people.
0: It's incredible. I can't believe how many times when there's sort of a a turn in the maze and you just recreate yourself all over again, every single time. It's like you're on this mystical scavenger hunt and you'll just be like, wait, what's that next little clue? Great. Let me just do that. That's what I mean that there's a part of you that feels like it's connected to something because most people can't do it unless they can see it. And everything in your story is like, yeah, and then I had this, girl. like, there was like a clue. So I was like, let me just see where that leads. And I opened that door and then that door leads to this door. And then that door leads to this, you know, so it just keeps going. What's the thing that you really want to say? What's the thing that you really want them to know?
1: I, I think the thing that the most that I most want them to know, and this was point of yeah the podcast and now what i keep coming back to is like it's up to us so often are i mean i think we're just programmed to be like oh once i do this i'll feel enough once i have this once i'm this weight enough worthy successful fulfilled happy lovable whatever it is that we're programmed to look for it outside of ourselves and that that is that it's you have to claim it for yourself every single day like i have to and it's so it's it's hard. So every day I'm like, this is an I'm not enough struggle. Okay, Trisha, like come back to like, oh, I'm a am wor- what wor- I'm worried about what people are going to think. If I say this, if I do this, if I dare to believe in myself, if I tell my story, if I whatever it is, and then it's like, but what do I have to keep coming back to? What do I believe about myself? Like that thing that I got when I was 15, like I have to make what I believe about myself to be the most important thing. And coming back to that, we can get so caught up in what will other people think of us, but those are really just our own judgments of ourselves. So like the constantly seeing, it's up to you to claim your worth, to claim that you are enough to claim that you're lovable. Like you could, I've seen it. You can have the most love in the world, And still not be accepting of that love, right? You can like, somebody can give you the biggest acknowledgement compliment ever. And I would remember like always wanting, like, I want to be seen, please see me. And thank you, Kathy, so much for seeing me and everything you've been saying. It's like meant so much to me. But again, like for me to actually fully absorb that, I have to be able to see it within myself. So I want to be acknowledged all the time. I want people to see me, but the real work is constantly reminding myself to see myself. Running myself to see my worth, my value, my enough. Because that's where it comes from. That's what's allowed me to see these little glimmers of things and make them be real. It's
0: huge. And it really is everything. And we had Byron Katie on the show and it's, she's very threatening to some people because she's basically telling you that You're creating your own suffering because it's an illusion that it's coming from anything outside of the narrative that you're believing and telling yourself. And people really have a hard time with that because, boy, do we really want to make it about our husband. Boy, do we really want to make it about our boss. Boy, do we really want to make it about what someone isn't giving us. And I forget that too. And it's fascinating that you're saying like, we get to decide every day. We get to choose it. And that has so much to do with how we receive what's coming in. Is that the consistent thing that you saw and that you see working with people is that they don't give that to themselves?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's again, and, and, you, and you mentioned it earlier that like the only ways that I've, I'm able to do this is because of the work that I have yeah. done and continually every day do on myself. And that's what I have figured out, boiled down to is that like, why I was able to work with the biggest people or different things and relate to them is that empathy and compassion, because I now I'm so aware of what's happening in my own mind. And instead of blaming myself and beating myself up for it, I'm like, oh, that's like the human experience. And we all have that. And so of course we have different life stories and different challenges and different hardships but like within our minds, it's so similar, this like daily fight. And so just being able to see that in, in people. And t- I think I've always been able to see multiple sides of every story in this too. And just like, yeah, it's like not knowing, of course, anybody's like personal experience. Cause I don't think anybody can, <laughs> but just like having that compassion for the humanness that we all have and allowing them to see that within themselves.
0: That's incredible. And as far as, you know, it's it's interesting what you were talking about earlier, because I used to say, you know, that the opposite of depression is not happiness. It's a sense of purpose. But what I found out, which is really sneaky, is that purpose really helps a lot, but it's also not the end of it. Like, I feel a tremendous amount of purpose in my life. I feel like my work is not a job. It's a gift. It's a mission. I love it. I love being a mother. I love being a friend. There's a lot of purpose in my world. And I still have a lot of run-ins with feeling deeply sad and deeply anxious. And so when you talk about seeing these beautiful souls on tour who've created so much purpose, right? Their work is not just hype. There's something meaningful in the songs they sing, in the work that they've created. And yet there's still something's missing. So that begs the question. So what is it then? If it's not purpose, what is the thing that makes us feel fulfilled?
1: The first thing I was just going to say was ourselves. Like, I don't have like a a word or like an action. How we treat ourselves, would you
0: say? How we take care of ourselves? How we look at the world? How we change the way we think?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's just again, because it's going to be though. It's like the getting that it's not like I got it, did it, did the work. I'm fulfilled. Whatever that means. Yeah. You know, like that it's like, it is. It's a daily thing and sometimes a moment to moment thing. Because it's not even, you know, I used to always make sure to be like, you know, you never know what life's going to throw at us in sort of like in a struggle format. But what I I can also see when we get the things that we really want (gasps) I met the man of my dreams or the woman of my dreams. I got the kids. I got the job. I got the book deal. I got the promotion. Then all of it comes back, like flashes back. So it's, yeah, just constantly re I mean, that, that quote that I mentioned at the beginning, no one can make you feel inferior with yourself. What that ended up shaping me to believe, no one can make me feel anything without my consent. No one can make me feel joy. No one can make me feel loved. No one can make me feel appreciated. Nobody can make me feel enough fulfilled without my consent. It's me consenting to that every freaking moment. (laughs) And again, so it's constant work. And so you just get more conscious though of that and being like, oh, it's me. I'm look, what's the missing key? Me, me acknowledging it, my approval, me consenting. I'm fulfilled today, even though I didn't do anything on my freaking list. How
0: necessary is what you say every day, but especially this year, when there's so much going on, and you can say, Oh my God, look at all these circumstances. I'm now miserable and I have, and that's it. Period. This is where I stay now. I stay miserable because of all of these things. That is such a defeating place to be. And what you're saying is so right on. It's so right on. My grandmother used to say life, it's 10% what happens It's 90% how you react to it, right? It's your choice. It's what you how you perceive it. But we don't spend that time.
1: Yeah. I want to share. You just made me think of like this thing I like narrowed it down to last year because one of my like key phrases for years in my product line was the only judge of me is me meaning like we spend so much time worrying about what other people will think that I realize a judgment can only really have power over you if it's something you believe to be true about yourself so we're so afraid of what people may or may not be judging us for when most of it like yes of course people will say things to you they're actually judging you but again you get that choice do I believe this to be true And even though that sucks and that could hurt, then you like, it allows you to lift it off. But most of the stuff is just in our own minds. That's holding us back that what will people think? So then you get to see, oh, but what do I think? Do I believe this is to be true? If I say this, people are going to think this. Is that what I believe? If I wear this or whatever, if I declare I'm a this, if I call myself a joyologist, what are people going to think? What do I think about that? So constantly bring it back to you.
0: It's so juicy and it's so true. The things that we get triggered by, it's because of what we corroborate on. That's really powerful. Okay, I have a lot more I want to ask you, but before we keep going, a quick ad break. In 2020, most businesses are learning to adapt day by day, but the banks not so much. And the last thing business owners need are unnecessary fees or making a trip to the bank. Aslo takes all the friction out of business banking instead of insisting you handle your banking as if the internet never existed. Aslo is a free business checking account with invoicing, bill pay, money transfers, no minimum balance, and no fees. Unlike other banking options, there is no minimum deposit required and you'll never be charged maintenance or overdraft fees. I think it's so great for those of you who are just getting your business off the ground because maybe you don't have a ton of capital yet, but you still want a reliable banking system that you you can access online. And I'm most excited to say goodbye to that ridiculous phone system that feels designed to waste your time. Instead of taking weeks to apply at a traditional bank, you can just go to azlo.com and you can apply in as little as 10 minutes. And with ASLO's free instant funding feature, you can deposit up to a thousand dollars and access it in your account instantly. Aslo is owned by BBVA USA and member FDIC. They make business banking so easy and offer a fee-free checking account. And it's no surprise that Money Magazine called them the best business option for freelancers and entrepreneurs. Sign up right now with no minimum deposit at aslo.com slash dream job and get a free copy of Aslo's smart business starter guide spelled A-Z-L-O dot com slash and sign up with a free small business starter guide and no minimum deposit aslo.com slash dream job. I want to ask you a couple of the things that my listeners struggle with because you're so wise and I would love to hear your perspective. So two things. The first thing, when I started this podcast, I thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I could help people figure out how to do what they love? Before you even can teach people the steps, one of the things that people struggle with is like, I don't even know what my thing is. Okay. Now, when they say, I don't know, it's usually because they're believing one of two lies, which is. I do know, but I don't think I'm worthy of it. Or I do know, but there's no way it's possible. So really, I'm just going to tell myself I don't know, and I really think I don't know. Or I have three things I could do, and I just stay stuck because I just don't know, which really to me is like fear of like a choosing the wrong thing or making a fool of yourself or whatever. What is your answer if someone's like, I would love to be fulfilled. I would love to be working somewhere that I feel passionate about or helping a cause or making an impact in the world or feeling aligned with myself, but I have no idea what that thing is. How do I figure it out? That's the biggest question I get.
1: Yeah. And I totally believe uh, I'm with you with the reasons you name too. And like, yeah, I have my Be Your Own Joyologist course. And that's one of the things, like so many people just don't even allow themselves the permission to like dream into what is possible because they are like so stuck on, well, that will never happen. That I will never be able to make that happen or that will never be worthy. So they don't even allow themselves to like dream about the possibility, which also plays in like the fear of failure. You know, it's like, there really is no fear. If you go back to my thing of like the fear of being judged, there really is no fear of failure because why would you, the only reason you're fear of failing is because what would other people think about you? <laughs> so really it's all come back to what you, what would you think about you? <laughs> like there's no such thing as a fear of failure when you come into realizing like the fear of failure is still what will other people think about me? If nobody knew you failed, like who cares? It's you, it's your own judgments again. <laughs> like, <laughs> so that seeing like, okay, I believe myself. Yeah. For me, and this is, I, I, brought it up earlier which that was what got me even to creating the position that became the joyologist was eliminating the word should was huge for me and that's what I'm writing my first book about and so like just paying attention we're so programmed into shoulds and that by that I feel like we're constantly unconsciously giving all of our life choices away. We're outsourcing all our life choices. So we are never pausing to even imagine, what do I want? How does this make me feel? So I eliminated that word the year my father died, which was 2008. And the only word that I found fit was want. So then every time should comes up, switch it out with want. And just, you'll be amazed of what starts to show up for you in your life when you're not even trying to think about what you want to do with your life, but just, oh, what should I eat today? What do I want to eat today? What should I do with, you know, the night now that the kids are asleep? What do I want to do? Like you're constantly giving yourself the space of possibility and bringing it back to yourself instead of looking outside of yourself.
0: That's one of the most mic drop things (laughs) I've ever heard. We outsource these decisions what a powerful thing to really get. It's so true. And we're, it's so in our blind spot. It's amazing what you just said.
1: Yeah. It's one word paying attention to it. And it really makes you face yourself all day long and see it's one freaking word, but it makes you see like, why again, like if you're like, Oh, I should do this. Oh no. But the one, well, what's making me feel like I can't do what I want. Like, it's just one word to focus on and it makes you face yourself and get in touch with yourself, get in touch with your intuition, what's motivating your choices. It can cut out procrastination even like, oh, I should really answer these emails. Well, why would I want to answer these emails? Because then I will like, won't feel that weight anymore. And then I can get onto this next thing because I really do want to show up as somebody who's, you know, in communication, whatever. All right, so I want to do those emails, but it's like, that's my game changer secret for so many things in life.
0: Brilliant. The (laughs) next thing that comes up and you already hinted at it, but when you think it's not possible, you shut down the, what I want, you know, it doesn't matter what I want. Cause I already decided it's not possible. So the biggest reason I find that people don't think something's possible is because they have imposter syndrome. So it's not possible because I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of it. So I see people struggle with starting and with making things that are mediocre because I can't do it unless I'm gonna be Mozart the first time. And if I'm not, it just reinforces that I'm not good enough. So how do you help people on that road to becoming and living the life they want when they believe they're not worthy and then they have to sort of start where they are, right? And they have to be imperfect. So this imposter syndrome thing, how do we get through that?
1: So with the should switching to one thing does help me so much because again, then I, it's making me uh, see of like, well, why do I want to do this? It also sees the m- motivation of even like, well, why do I want to make this thing? Why do I want to create this service? You know, even though these people are doing it because I feel like called to wake people up in my language because I can feel it within me. So like, again, tuning into that is allowing you to ask yourself, why do you want to do it? Like what's motivating you? Uh, and so that can help me to like get out of my own way and do the things, and, and clients the same thing to be aligned with with why would they want to do it, and then what well, that's part of the narration is sort of like well how would it make me feel to do that, you know like, and I always just even focus on like one person still like I'm like if I make this post and one person says thank you so much I needed it then like that feels like worthwhile that yeah. it's not that I'm. Of course, I wanna have a huge following. Of course, I want people to like, listen to my words and stuff like that. But I always have to come back to like, if there's one person out there right now that could feel something from me sharing, from me putting something out there, from my affirmation deck, from this product, whatever, then that feels good in it, because it's the, the feeling of the doing it makes me come more alive, me connected to myself, me connected to my purpose. Like, and of course, that doesn't mean that all the other people that might be doing something similar, aren't worthy or amazing and the Beyonce's are out there and stuff like that. But it's just like allowing yourself to believe in yourself again. And and also like coming back to even like choose to live. And so what makes you come Mm. alive? And I, you know, most people can struggle with it's being like me. Well, what about me? Or I'm doing this. There's already enough people when we bring it. So I am saying it, it is all about you. But then there's also this thing of like, but what's motivating me? Like, I mean, I created a career and I'm like, Hey, everybody listen to me. I have so many important things to say. But again, it was, it's all been motivated by like wanting other people to wake up. So it's a different, you know, it's a thing of like coming back to like, sure, this is about me creating something, me building something, whatever it is that you're out there struggling with putting out into the world. But what is the impact it could have on one person? Why do you want to do this?
0: So good. I love this idea of looking at it like, you know, it's not relevant what other people are doing. I feel called to do it. Even if one person, you know, I feel called to help. So I'm going to trust that. It's interesting because the word joyologist, I remember when I first saw it, I was like, that's like a threatening thing. Like that feels unattainable, right? And we just get so used to days that don't have joy and months that don't have joy. And when Martha Beck was on my podcast, she talked about her book called The Joy Diet. And she said, these are the things you need to do every day. You know, spend 15 minutes doing nothing, you know, listen to some music buy yourself a bouquet of flowers just because like she had all these diet, uh, you know, of course not about food, but for for your own joy. And she said that people were amazed at everything she would say. And she was like, I'm not saying anything novel other than how couldn't you go to sleep at night, put your head on the pillow and not have done something that brought you joy today. And if you did that's a productive day. That was a day well spent. That joy is enough of an excuse for being. And I think that we are not working toward it as much as we're working toward achievement. I think that people are wired to, I'll be loved if I perform and if I do a good job. And then we miss decades of our life and there's no joy. And what the hell is that? And how can you help us understand how we can release the shame and let ourselves do the thing in the middle of the day just because it feels good, not because it's productive, not because it furthers our bottom line or even serves our neighbor, just because it literally makes us feel happy and alive. How is that so divorced from who we are?
1: Yeah, totally get that, and that even like, yeah, I sort of like fumbled into being like an entrepreneur or online business owner. And most of the people that I had followed, it seemed such a like work, 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 strive, strive, strive. And I was all like, mm, "What? Well, I'm gonna like stop working now because I got to do this thing." Like, and I, honestly, <laughs> I think that was a a blessing of my fibromyalgia and chronic pain is that it it has trained me that I have to take care of myself and prioritize myself, even when it feels like but I have these things and these deadlines and these goals or whatever. So, you know, like Kate Northup and her like do less book and stuff like that. I'm like, thank you for someone for talking about this. Cause that was the way that I had always sort of always lived. That was programmed into me though, like, because of my body and, and seeing though firsthand that I'm not good for anybody. If I'm not taking care of myself and making space for joy The thing to get so often, again, we are so like, I can't do this for myself. It's selfish or I'm doing this thing. I'm working on this groundbreaking thing. So I have to keep working on it. Whatever it is, is that if you can't think about like, I'm worthy of joy and this is going to help me think about how you're affecting everybody else in your life. So you pause, you go do something, you take the rest of the day off, you do something that's good for you. How does that shift your energy? You're more present, you're more alive, you're more gracious you're grateful. And so you're showing up to everybody in your world that way, your kids, your neighbors, the people in line at the store or whatever, they get this version of you that is now like expanding and alive and awake and joy filled not the version of you that has been slaving over your computer giving to everybody else this that is like a shell of a human and is like whatever so it's like that for me i think is a good way to look at it because we can feel like i'm not allowed to have joy i'm not allowed to do things to take care of myself i'm not allowed to prioritize my own needs joy whatever well think of that how you're showing up in the world for everyone else then if you can't think about it for you how are you showing up for other people (laughs) What
0: you just said, that to me is the, that should be the political conversation because it's actually so selfish to be depleting yourself and think that's not going to ripple around, right? And instead we're so worried about what's happening on the other side of the world, like what about yourself? Like you're on fire. Like you're literally like burning and we're so wired exactly what you just said. You know, that's, that's not true that it's selfish. Right. And it's not, it's the opposite. Your self-realization is the greatest gift you give others. Right. It reverberates. It's so important. The work that you do is so important. You guys, I told you you, there's a reason I love her. She's a gift. You are a gift and so special. Tell (laughs) us where we can follow and buy your products, enjoy your coaching, listen to the Claim It with Your Joyologist podcast. Tell us where we can find all your stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm most active on Instagram at Your Joyologist. At Your Joyologist Shop is also there. My website is YourJoyologist.com. YouTube, everything's Your Joyologist YouTube channel, everything. Yeah, oh, and also the daily inspiration app that's called Own Your Awesome. That's also the deck of cards, but um, yeah, so in the App Store, Google Play and Apple. App store, own your awesome. It's hundreds of powerful thoughts and affirmations. You can set a daily reminder time to get a card or come you any day. And yeah, it's only $3.99 and I add cards to it all the time. No other fees. So it's totally worth it. And you can gift it to other people too, which is like the coolest gift, I think. They're so
0: awesome. They're beautiful. You're really extraordinary. It can't be said enough. And it's amazing that you walk around and you look like a normal person, but then all these things come out of you. It's really inspiring. You guys, um, if you wanna get a gift for someone, and she did not tell me to say this, but I just thought to say it, in this moment that we're living in, where there's so much pain, I promise if you went to the products that she has and you send a friend of yours any of those things, including that deck, I guarantee you, you will change somebody's life today. Couldn't be a better thing in this moment. Trisha, you're the best. Thank you very, very much for being you. Oh my gosh. I could seriously talk with Trisha for hours nonstop. She's amazing. Here are the takeaways. Number one, give yourself a chance. Choose to live. Do what makes you come alive. Number two, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Number three, don't outsource your life choices. Eliminate the word should and replace it with want. Number four, you have to claim your worth. You have to know that you're enough, that you're lovable. It's up to you. Number five, your approval is the biggest key to making you feel fulfilled. Number six, a judgment can only have power over you if it's something you believe to be true about yourself. The only judge of you is you. And number seven, if there's one person who can feel something from you sharing your gifts, then that's enough. All right, now let's celebrate your wins. Rebecca posted in our Facebook group and she said... I had a serious win today. I did my first stained glass class for the year and it went amazing. It sold out. If I could just do one sold out class a week, I could quit my day job. I'm so pumped. I was also contacted this week to get started on a custom window. Rebecca, that's so awesome. I'm really proud of you. For one, you had the courage to offer your class and you put it out there. And two, you're selling out all these spots. That's amazing. I'm so excited for you and I want to see how this is going to go. So please let us know how it all unfolds. You guys, you can go give Rebecca some love. Her Instagram is at Rebecca's nerd glass, nine one eight. All right, here's the next one. Jamie said, I was finally able to launch my online dog training course and I'm so excited. I spent so much time making it perfect and it's finally out there in the world for everyone to see. Keeping my fingers crossed, it takes off. Jamie, I'm so happy for you. I know this will be so helpful for dog owners, especially right now, if they're not able to take their pets to dog training in person. I love that you're trying to fill this need and that you gave yourself permission to finally hit publish and get this out there. If any of you listening has a dog that could use some behavior adjustments, then go check out her awesome course, Training with Jamie, J-A-M-I.com, and give her your support. Thank you guys so much for listening to this show. I know that there's a zillion things that you could be doing right now, and it does mean the world to me. It really does that you're here and that you're listening. So I promise I'm going to keep putting out really awesome episodes for you if you're not subscribed already it's free to subscribe. Please go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen so you can get more fun episodes. And I'm actually doing a really fun giveaway this week of some Jason Mraz goodies. So if you come to my Instagram at kathy.heller, you'll see a couple posts where I talk about how to enter the giveaway. All you have to do is like the post, tag a friend and subscribe to the podcast. And I'll pick three winners and send you some really fun packages. If this episode inspired you, please share it with somebody because maybe it would inspire them too. I'll leave you guys with a song of mine and I'll talk to you Monday. So many times I chose to run. So many times I held my tongue. I held my tongue. Never saying what I needed to. So